You know, over recent weeks, we've been speaking of prayer and how it is through the precious work of the cross, we are adopted into the family of God. How we, as Jesus has taught us, can pray to our Father. How we are adopted into such a wondrous family. This morning we're going to consider for these next few moments something more of prayer. And you, know, you might think, well, why is it that we're not meditating perhaps more upon the cross? But my heart for us this morning is that even in the brokenness of our world and the brokenness of our circumstances, the cross might speak life to us. And if it could be that we could go from this place more in tune with the heart of God for us, more willing and ready to speak with him, the very creator of life, the author and, please God, the perfecter of our faith. If we could go from here more ready to submit our lives to him in the the conversation of prayer, the humility of prayer, the submission of prayer, the faith of prayer, the promise of prayer, the presence of prayer, then truly the work of the cross is becoming more alive for us. And God often reminds us in the scripture that he will answer our prayers, every prayer. Jeremiah 33 and verse 3 says, Call to me and I will answer you. Not I might answer you. Not I will answer you sometimes. Not I will answer you when I feel like I've got something good to say. No, I will answer you. And as we considered the the promise and the possibility of prayer, we've been reminded that God answers in different ways, doesn't he? God answers sometimes with yes, sometimes with not yet, sometimes with a, or maybe, but you need to grow up first. And sometimes with a not the way you think. The truth of the matter is God sometimes answers our prayers with a no. No is a possible answer from God. And it can be confusing, challenging, even flat out heartbreaking when we struggle perhaps with seeming insurmountable challenges. When we face friends and loved ones on hospital beds when they pass away. But you are not on your own in this. Many of the heroes of our faith got a no from God in answer to their prayers. Read the Bible and see how Abraham, Moses, David, Daniel, Job, what a big no. But then into the New Testament, Peter, Paul. We're reminded, aren't we, as we come to this day of days, how it was that Jesus prayed in agony truth of the matter is we don't know a great deal of the substance of the prayers of Christ not not for much of the story we're told time and again aren't we that Jesus went aside to pray got up early to pray separated himself to pray but the words of those conversations with his father are not often revealed to us but as we draw near to the cross they are and in John's gospel we find that Jesus speaks to his father of the mission soon to be accomplished profoundly, wonderfully, as Jesus prayed facing that cross. He prayed mostly for you and for me. Isn't that beautiful? And then he prayed in that garden, in agony, desperately, if it is possible that this cup should pass from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. 
and a seeming no comes, but powerfully it's a, it's a confirmatory no, is it not? For Jesus, the Father, the Spirit had eternally determined that Christ should go to the cross for you and for me, knowing our weakness, our sin, our rebellion, even before the earth was formed, Jesus had determined to go to the cross. God is entitled to answer prayer with no. And God is entitled sometimes to answer prayer with no and without explanation. It's obvious why there might be some no answers, of course. It may well be that one person might pray for one outcome and another person pray for another quite opposite outcome. Somebody is going to be disappointed. Don't know whether you were watching a a rather incredible night of football this week as Liverpool were fantastic, as always. Thanks be to God. And Man City received the Lord's judgment. No, no. But uh, we can't read too much into this, but we do know, don't we, at this time of the year that all of the righteous are praying for Liverpool to win the league. And the unrighteous, well, we'll not talk about that. Some folks are going to get a no from God. Please help us, Jesus. In all seriousness... Oftentimes, people are praying for opposite things. Hey, there are going to be some elections coming up, aren't there? And some people are going to be disappointed. Where do you put your trust? Where is your faith? In difficult circumstances where resources are limited, not everybody is going to get everything that they want. Painfully, there will be times when we pray for those who are sick and they don't get better. Here is the truth. And we'll talk more on this on Sunday night. God never intended you to live forever on this earth, in this present reality. He wants you to live forever. There's an even greater truth. And in Christ Jesus, because of the work of the cross, his resurrection, you can. But not here. With him. In his glorious presence, in not you just alone made new, but in all things made new by his great and glorious power. This world is full of pain and sickness and hunger and grief. It is full of abuse and hate, sexual harassment and war. I could go on. I want to live forever with Jesus, but I know it doesn't look like this. I see glimpses. But I will see glory. As we look at the cross this morning, we're reminded that it's not just some of those in a hospital bed who have terminal illness. We all have terminal illness. Sin and separation from God bring death to this world. And it is only through accepting God's free gift of salvation today that we may be reunited with him to live forever in his love. This world and everything in it is passing away. You are. I am. But God has made a new and living way for us through Jesus Christ, if we will accept him. Why might it be then that God might answer our prayers with no? And let God speak comfort to us this Good Friday, but please be cautious as we share these truths with one another. Sometimes, We don't need explanations. We need presence, don't we? 
We think perhaps of that criminal crucified to the side of Christ. And as he reached out in a moment of humility, of realization of his brokenness, he didn't need a sermon from Jesus. He needed his presence and his promise. He needed the word of forgiveness and of grace. Truth is, when we come alongside those who are struggling with the no of their present circumstances, they don't need apologetic argument. They need presence, promise, grace. But God can speak truth to us in those moments. It may well be that we ask for good things, legitimate things from God, and still get a no from him. It's inexplicable. It can be heartbreaking. It can leave us floundering. It's true that we need God so that we can have a yes to prayers. But the truth of the matter is that when we get a no, we almost need him all the more, don't we? Isn't it in our pains, in our sufferings, that we become very consciously aware that we need a suffering saviour? Let's come to Jesus, the one who accepted the no to his personal safety. The no to his place in the glories of heaven so that we can have the greatest yes of salvation. Let's come to the one who showed us it's okay to ask a why in our places of agony, for he asked a why in the agony of the cross, even though he contented himself to not receive an explanation, but through his death to receive a reunion with his father. Firstly, The Bible teaches us that God says no when he has a bigger perspective. Remind yourself today that God can see everything. And that is good news to us. He sees far off. He sees around the corners that confound us. He sees the fullness of every possible factor coming together. He knows it all. And remind yourself as you come to the cross today, you don't. I don't. We see in part. And we struggle with what we see. Hebrews 4 and verse 13 reminds us, He knows about everyone everywhere. Oh, be comforted in this. God knew about your plans for today. He knew you would be present here today and his spirit is present also that you might know the truth of the good news of life in Jesus. He knows about everyone everywhere, the Bible teaches us. Everything about us is bare and wide open to the all-seeing eyes of our living God. Nothing can be hidden from him. Realize this. We can't see every unintended consequence. We don't know how our decisions and our actions will affect generations to come or those around us right now. But God can. And God does. And if we could see like he sees, truth is, we'd probably change our prayers. But we can't. So we must trust him. Because he does. Think about those days approaching the work of the cross with Christ. The disciples, they did not understand why Jesus went to the cross. Story teaches us that they fought against him in argument and they fought against those who would take Jesus to the cross, and yet they were wrong. Peter fought tooth and nail, chopping off high priest's servant's ear. Either he was very accurate 
or very inaccurate. But the truth of the matter is he was incompetent. But come on, so would you have been. And so would I have been. Because we don't see everything. Peter didn't, but Jesus did. Wonderfully, the one who sees everything put that ear back on so that that man could hear everything. Proverbs 2 and verse 8 tells us that God guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Can you trust him, though you do not see everything from his perspective? How would we plan events to go? Roman authorities and religious leaders planned that they would do away with this Jesus, this revolutionary teacher, that they would be done with the trouble. That was their plan, and they thought that their plan was coming together, but they did not see all. For there they were, unwilling and unknowing stooges to God's great plan of salvation. Consider men of faith. Daniel, thrown into a lion's den. His friends, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, thrown into a fiery furnace. Did they see the outcome of what seemed like certain death? No, but they trusted nonetheless. And God brought about their greater good and his greater glory through such things. Are you suffering? God knows. And he sees all. And he's with you in all. God says no when he has a bigger perspective. And God says no also when he has a better plan. Here's a truth. God doesn't have to answer our prayers the way that we think he should. And come on, let's admit to ourselves, when we pray, we always have an outcome in mind, don't we? Sometimes we tell God about our outcomes, don't we? Just in case he's not wise enough to know them. And we explain to him how he ought to work all things together for our good, because we know better than God, don't we? Oh, truth is, we think so. Jesus' disciples, again, they spent some of their last days before the cross jockeying for position, didn't they? making protestations of their faith and of their fight, but then betraying Jesus, denying him, chopping off ears, scattering. Were any of these things God's plan for saving the world? Oh, thank goodness that he has a better plan. If that was true, and it was, then it is true, and it is. God has a better plan. Isaiah 58, 55 rather, and verse 8 and 9 remind us, and God speaks to us, this plan of mine is not what you would work out. Oh, can we say amen and thank you, Jesus? Neither are my thoughts the same as yours, for my ways are higher than yours. God is not going to answer your prayers in the way that you think he should because he knows better. Can you submit yourself to that? God says no when he has a better plan. Sometimes it may be that you don't see the outcomes of his plan for some time. Sometimes, Christians, you may never see the fullness of the outcome of his plan. What does that passage, that hall of fame of faith in Hebrews 11 tell us? It teaches us that many were commended for their faith, yet none of those of the Old Testament, the time before the coming of Christ and his cross, none of them saw, received what had been promised. God had planned something better. 
What are you praying for? What are you trusting for? What are you believing for? may not be that you see it. Keep praying. Generations to come may see the fruit of your prayers, of your faithfulness, of your trust in the one of the cross and the way of the cross. God says no when he has a better plan. And God says no when he has a greater purpose. And can we admit this morning that God does have a greater purpose? He has a greater purpose because God is more interested in your character than in your comfort. Doesn't the cross speak that to us most profoundly? It's not a simple way. And many in our world, they would make Christ simple. They would make him simply a man of teaching, simply a man of kindness, simply a man of morality. But Jesus is not simple. And the cross is not simple. It confounds all of our wisdom. He has a greater purpose. Our simplistic, basic purposes of this means that are utterly transformed at the foot of the cross. Though God has a greater purpose, that does not mean that every aspect of your life will feel great. Does anybody know the truth of that? But it will be a part of his greater purpose. 1 Peter 1 and verse 7 reminds us the purpose of these troubles is to test your faith as fire tests how genuine gold is. Your faith is more precious than gold. When you place your trust in the Christ of the cross, you have earned something. Not earned. You've received something that is more precious than gold. And 2 Corinthians 4 reminds us this. These present troubles are quite small. It's a hard thing to accept, isn't it? But maybe the cross can give us perspective here again. Quite small and won't last very long. Yet they will produce in us an immeasurably great glory that will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see right now. Rather, we look forward to what we have not yet seen. For the troubles we see will soon be over, but the joys to come will last forever. Ever. Can you see all of the times when God has denied you your plans and purposes for his greater plans and purposes? Cast your mind back. Can you see this? Isn't that the way of the cross? That the simplistic thinking of humanity and our simplistic ways of acting are absolutely transcended by the way of Christ and his suffering. Well, what should we do then when God says, no. Firstly, trust. Trust that God does everything out of his goodness and love. Romans 8 tells us that in everything God works for the good of those who love him. This morning, I don't know why it is that we have come and gathered each and every one of us. It may be that we come because we feel that it's that time of the year that we ought really to come that we ought to, to do the things of our religious tradition or, or practice. But Jesus Christ doesn't invite you into those things. He invites you into a way of love. This is what the cross says, that Jesus Christ would stretch out arms of love and die upon a cross in your place and mine. The Bible teaches us that God so loved the world, you, me, that he sent his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, 
should not perish in the sin of today and the eternal separation of tomorrow, should not perish but should have everlasting life. Do you love Jesus? That's a big thing, isn't it? You might say, how can I? Well, let me tell you, you can love Christ by receiving his love today. For it is in the receiving of Christ's love that then you are compelled into the way of love, changed into the way of love, transformed into the way of love. Receive him today. Invite him today. Place yourself at the foot of the cross and admit your need of him today. In everything God works for the good of those who love him. Trust him. You don't have to understand God's answer to know that it is motivated by love. When God says no, you can either resist it, resent it, or relax into it. Do you really want to be the kid who says to God, it's my ball and I'm going home? Or do you want to trust him today? When in pain, pray what Jesus prayed facing the cross. Mark 14 and verses 35 and 36, going a little farther. Jesus fell to the ground praying that, if possible, he might not have to suffer what was ahead of him. Jesus prayed, Abba, my Father, all things are possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will, not mine, to be done. Knowing that Jesus has pain as we feel it, even more so, We can trust that he's made a way for us to pray, to pray honestly just like Jesus. How did Jesus pray? Well, he affirmed God's power. Father, I know you can do anything. God can take away pain. God can change circumstances. Above all and in all and through all, God can save. We affirm his power. But we can ask with passion, Father, Jesus said, please give me what I ask. It's okay to pray honestly, to bear your pain before him, to ask for freedom from it. Don't feel like you have to invite some sort of false martyrdom. Be honest with your Father who loves you. But then accept God's plan. What I want most is your will. This is the very best. And when we pray such a prayer, we're truly trusting in God. And he is smiling on us. Finally, when God says no, expect God to give his grace to handle his answer. Grace is God's power to handle pain. And God's power to do the right thing, even when it is painful. Oftentimes, people will say, God will never give you more than you can handle. I have to tell you, that's not true and it's not biblical. He will always and often give you more than you can handle. But it will never be more than Jesus can handle. And God will never put more on you than he will put in you. Today, we must accept Christ. Please, accept Christ again. Would you accept the work of the cross again? God will give us grace today. Psalm 9 and verse 10 says this. Those who know you, Lord, will 
trust you. You do not abandon anyone who comes to you. Trust God when he says no. Trust God when you come to the foot of a cruel, violent cross. See his sufferings and his brokenness for us. If we are unable to trust God in our lives, in our prayer, then perhaps it means that we don't really know him yet. We don't know him as we ought. But the grace of this Good Friday is that we can know him. If there's anything that the cross says to us, it says that there's a way of hope for us in Jesus. Are you working through pain now? Are you seeing the sufferings and the sickness of loved ones? Are you processing the loss of those who are dear to you? Have relationships broken down? Have you lost jobs or possibilities? Dreams for your life seeming snuffed out? Some of us struggling with the brokenness of this world. Christ has gone before us. Will we trust him?